everybody out tonight. Let's go ahead and get started. Page Pass over you when I. 
Jesus love, Jesus that power, Jesus is true. All who believe, save from the storm, all we will pass, will pass over more page 86 oh happy day I fixed my choice only my Savior and my God well may this glory heart rejoice and tell it's right day it is today amen and what a happy day it's going to be when we see jesus can i get a witness right there amen me and deb were out having lunch together at a restaurant today and there was a a table of women right behind us that was an interesting conversation but one of the women said i'm not going to think about it because i want to be happy I thought, you know, that's Bible because the Bible tells us to think on things that are true, that are lovely, that are good. And you think on those kind of things, you'll wind up being happy. Amen. Think on Jesus and you'll always wind up happy. Um, as far as announcements go, we've got one main announcement that we do want to consider tonight. And that's the, uh, the banquet that we got scheduled for this Saturday at the Smith House up in Dahlonega. 
and Brother Terry's asked everybody that's going to be there at 445. And what this is, is our annual uh, officer appreciation banquet. And if you hold any kind of office in the church, uh, the church will pay for your meal if you'll meet us up there. It's just a small token of our appreciation to recognize all that you do for us at, at this church, and we're appreciative of it. And uh, so you meet us up there. We do ask everybody that will to meet us up there. If you're an officer, the church won't pay for your meal uh, unless you can talk Brother Terry into it. Now, sometimes he has a soft heart, and uh, you might be able to might be able to nudge him a little bit on that. But uh, but you will have to pay for your own meal, and we'll just have a good time of fellowship. So that'll be this coming Saturday at 4:45 up at the Smith House in Delonica. And as far as our prayer requests go we change can you believe we're already in november this year i told debbie it won't be long we'll be eating some turkey then we'll be moving toward christmas and then the new years time moves on time does not wait on anybody it keeps marching on uh but we're in the month of november and for this month's pastor prayer ministry uh, we're praying, we'll be praying for Brother David Nix and Nellie Head Baptist Church. Brother David's one of our own and our pastoring now. We want to be sure to pray for him. And uh, Lord willing, I should be seeing him tomorrow morning at a jubilee up in, at Harvest Baptist in, in Dawsonville. And so you be sure to pray for Brother David Nix and his church family. Um, as far as our own Church family, we need to continue praying for Sister Carolyn Watkins, that God would continue being with her. And Warren Vickers, uh, he's slowly coming around, but we need to continue praying for him. Also, Lisa Newton and Kay and Jerry Titlow, Brother Kane's uh, mother and stepdad, we need to really pray for him, that God would be with that family. How about your prayer request tonight? Anything in particular? Carol family. Okay. Okay. Anyone else tonight? Okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Leo. Julie Myers. Yeah, we will. Hey, for Maxine, anything else tonight on your hearts? All right, let's gather around these altars. Let's pray tonight together.
that God would meet the needs of every one of these. He knows exactly what needs to be done. You come and let's pray. any mission money to give tonight you can give that and be sure to get you a copy of the study tonight so thankful tonight that the Lord gives his children the opportunity, the privilege to pray. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything but prayer and supplication, make your request be made known unto God. It goes on to say, in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, call unto me. I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Bible tells us to call upon him and he will hear us. I'm so glad we, we, we're saved by a living, caring God who loves us so much and cares about every facet of our lives. does not matter what it is. does not matter which one of his children it is. He cares. And the Bible tells us to cast all our care upon Him, for He careth for us. does not matter whether it's a little girl that's had a death of a rabbit. God knows her heart, and God wants to comfort that heart. And I'm glad He's a God like that tonight. And I appreciate knowing Him and Him knowing me. Amen and amen. Thank you, sis. You're glad to be saved tonight, say amen. Amen, amen. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 tonight is where we're going to find our, <coughs> our study. I believe this is our 11th study in the, in the book of Acts. We're, we'll begin in verse number 1 of Acts 
chapter 4 and go through verse number 14. Some precious verses found in these verses and some powerful verses. And I pray that God had used this study together to, uh, to open our hearts toward him. Let's look at our study sheets together. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll dive in this together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just holler at me, Brother Chris. Oh, he was? <laughs> uh, throw something at me. Yeah. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, Lord, we sure do love you and thank you for your care in all of our lives, Lord. And as we've called out these names, and Lord, we've bowed our knees before you, Lord, praying over these needs. We're asking you, God, to attend very carefully to every heart. You know exactly what needs to be done. You know exactly what needs to be accomplished, Lord, in, in every prayer request. Sometimes we ask for certain things, but Lord, you do even different things that are better and more needful. And we thank you for being a God that, Lord, will uh, circumvent our lives and, and Lord, just uh, watch over us the way you do. And Father, add your blessings to the study of the Word of God tonight. Bless us as we gather around the good book of God, and we're thankful for what you'll do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Let's look at our study sheets together tonight. We've been studying through the book of Acts, and uh, we've, we've made it to chapter 4, and we'll, we'll consider the first 14 verses of that chapter tonight. Things are difficult in Jerusalem. The Roman government is gaining more and more control over the little nation known as Israel. Insurrections and rebellions are being staged against Rome. And now a growing movement is gaining momentum in opposition to the Jewish religion. It seems that everything is against the hierarchy of Judaism. And things are getting tenser as pressures mount upon the leadership. The church is growing rapidly. Remember the first day of the church's assembly, the first message, 3,000 people got saved all at that one meeting. Now we're going to see 5,000 more join the ranks of the church in, in Acts chapter 4. The church is growing rapidly, and the news of its enlargement is attracting way too much attention to go unnoticed. Something must be done, and it must happen immediately. The daily tension caused by Jewish people converting to this new movement has made its mark in Jerusalem, and if it is not stopped in its infancy, it will soon be uncontrollable. That is how chapter 4 of Acts finds its place in God's history book of the church. Things are unfolding fast, and the best way to stop the expansion is to start at the top, and that is exactly what happens. The first thing noticed is the grief caused by teaching. We read from the first four verses of Acts 4. It says it like this. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. 
Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and watched this. And the number of the men were, was about 5,000. So now we've got 5,000 more added to the church at this event. The word of God is powerful in and of itself. And the message of the gospel is powerful enough to save whosoever. If you're thankful for that tonight, say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Romans 1.16, Paul wrote these words. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The change being wrought in people's lives through the teaching and preaching the Word of God is causing grief of mind to the religious leaders of, in Jerusalem. One would think that people getting saved would elate everyone. But behind the scenes of the uproar and sorrow is a diabolical fiend stirring up the anger of those who profess to know God. Satan is now losing ground in the battle of the ages and it is all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Besides the powerful gospel being proclaimed, God has used Peter and John in the healing of a lame man. And the Jewish community cannot deny the miracle they have just witnessed. Remember, the Jews, the Bible says, require a sign. And the healing of the lame man has convinced many that what Peter and John are teaching the people is sanctioned by their God. Jesus Christ truly is the Messiah of the Jewish people and the Savior of the world. And he is alive. The, the one they watched being crucified on Calvary died and has risen from the dead just like he said he would. Jesus had told the religious crowd that the only sign they would need would be his resurrection from the grave. In Luke 11, verse 29 and 30, we read about Jesus telling them that when he said this, and when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. This is Jesus speaking now. This is an evil generation. They seek a sign. and There shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet, for as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Jesus went on to say in another complimentary gospel account, he said, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well of the belly. <laughs> I always get that wrong. The belly of the whale. Is that right? Did I say it right then? As Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, he said, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And we know that when Jesus Christ died, his soul went to the heart of the earth. But his soul came back, rejoined that body, and he walked out 
alive out of that grave and conquered death, hell, and grave for us. And he said, that's going to be the sign that you'll need to believe. Now, 5,000 Jews have been converted through faith in the gospel message, and it has upset the religious elite. The healing of the lame man, nor them hearing the gospel message, has brought any joy to their hearts. Neither has it convinced them that what these men were saying was true. Rather, it has angered them to the point of putting the gospel messengers in a holding cell. They abducted the men in an effort to stop the message from being proclaimed. On the one hand, certain ones are upset. But on the other hand, there is joy in Jerusalem. That is the power of the gospel. If the gospel weren't true, it would not make the people who reject it upset. And neither would it bring joy to those who receive it. The reactions created by the message prove the authenticity of the gospel and its power to change lives. Second thing we want to look at and consider from these verses is the gathering caused by the threat. Verses 5 through 7, it says this, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? The uproar and threat of this new movement has caused the upper leadership to assemble together. The high priests, the rulers, the elders, and many others of the tribe of Levi are summoned to this meeting. They have a problem that must be, as Barney Fife used to say, nipped in the bud. The problem is this message that is being preached. Its main subject includes a man they had crucified to death, Jesus Christ. They saw him as a traitor to their laws and traditions and also deemed him an illegitimate counterfeit. Matthew 15, 2, we read this. Why do thy disciples, the religious elite, were asking Jesus this question? Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Then we read these, these words, and I, it's hard to believe that anyone would even talk to Jesus Christ like this. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication, insinuating that Jesus Christ was, because they figured that Joseph and Mary were not married at the time of, of the conception of Jesus Christ. And they say, we be not born of fornication, inferring that he was. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself but he sent me, why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. 
They honestly thought that once they had killed Jesus, His disciples would see the threat and scatter in fear. And at the beginning, the disciples were fearful. But then they saw Jesus after His resurrection. We read about that in John 20, verse 19 through 21. It said, The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father sent me, even so send I you. Now the tables have turned, and they need to question the authority they seem to have. In Acts 4, 7, they asked them this question. When they'd sat, talking about Peter and John, in the midst they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? They want to know who has given them the power or authority to claim that Jesus is alive. The message alone is disturbing, but now these messengers have been involved in raising a lame man with a new set of legs, and they cannot deny the miracle. They are about to find out whose authority is behind these men. Then we want to consider the third thought on the grit caused by the truth. Verses 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we by this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. They were not expecting this. Peter stands up filled with the Holy Ghost, and in four verses, he addresses the most revered religious leaders of his day with so much authority and power that they were held captive by his every word. Peter first points out that the impotent man is made whole through the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Then he reminds them that they crucified Jesus, but God, their God, raised him from the dead. The highest authority in heaven and earth is presented to these leaders as the power and reason for the miracle and message. The authority of these men supersedes any authority that these leaders may seem to have. They tried to kill this authority, but the truth lives on. Jesus is alive. This is another great proof that the message of the resurrection is true. These men would never dare hazard their lives for some fabricated story. If Jesus were still dead and they had no proof of his resurrection... They simply could go back to their previous occupation of fishing. After all, they tried that, but again, they saw Jesus. 
We read about it in John 21, verses 3 through 4. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, this will be the disciple John, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Peter and John have seen the resurrected Lord. They have been baptized by the Holy Ghost, and nothing is going to stop them other than God himself. And since he is their authority, nothing will stop them. Jesus had already told Peter that he would die an old man, so there's still much for these men to do. In John 21, Jesus had told Peter these words, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee, carry thee whithersoever thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Can you imagine Peter standing there that day, a young, a young cocky fisherman, and been following Jesus three and a half years, and there he stands, and Jesus says, you've been young, but one day you're going to reach the old age. And you're going to be so old that somebody else is going to have to put clothes on your back and going to have to carry you where you go. When Peter is standing before this religious group, he has no fear of those men rushing on him and killing them because he has the word of Jesus that he's going to die an old man. With boldness and confidence, Peter continues his message for these elite leaders. In Acts 4.11 he says this, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Earlier during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, the same leadership questioned Jesus about his authority. And he told them they would reject his authority and lose their authority. We read about this in Matthew 21, 23. And when he was coming to the temple, speaking of Jesus, the chief priest and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, say I unto you, listen to this, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall upon this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard, had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. 
now this honing prophecy has become a reality and they have a decision to make. Do they continue to reject and stumble over this stone? The one they rejected has become the head of the corner, signifying the highest authority in the universe. Before any other comment can be made, the bold preacher adds these words, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. He places this highest name of Jesus at their feet and over their head. They can either bow their knees at his feet or they will be ground to powder by this same stone raining over their head. There are no other means of salvation for these leaders or anyone else for that matter. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and Peter boldly stands his ground with this truth. Then we want to look at, lastly, the gaze caused by their togetherness. We read these words in verse 13 and 14. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus, beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. These leaders knew these men had an authority that they could not deny. Something mysterious has transpired in these men's lives. They are so bold and yet they are unlearned and ignorant men. They had quoted scriptures from the Old Testament that applied to them and they knew it. How could these ignorant men know these scriptures so fluently? There is no mistaking it. They had been with Jesus. <laughs> then were the disciples glad. Oh, wrong page. Page five. What a compliment. They had been with Jesus. What a compliment. What a confession. In just a short matter of time with these men, these leaders of Judaism knew these men had spent time with Jesus Christ. No one could know the things they knew had they not been taught by Jesus Christ. When anyone spends time with Jesus, it will be noticed by others. And it will not take them long to discover the association. Spending time with Jesus is one of the most rewarding things a child of God can do. Spending time with Him by studying His book and talking to Him in prayer will change a person's boldness and countenance. Fear will not overtake someone who has spent time with Jesus. The time together with him will yield a very different demeanor in one's life. We read about this in 2 Timothy 1.7 where we read these words. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When a child of God tries to walk through life in their own power, it will result in a life lived in fear. When we try to walk through life with hate in our hearts, we will live out our days in fear. And when we attempt to look at life through our own wisdom, we will face fear every day. I promise you this, if you turn on the TV and just watch the newscast every day of your life, you'll be living in fear. That's our own wisdom. That's the wisdom of the world. But aren't you thankful for this book? 
that tells us the rest of the story and whose side is going to win one glorious day. The only remedy for our fear is to spend time with Jesus. By doing so, our strength will be supernaturally empowered from above. For Jesus said this, for ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Isaiah 40 verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Our hate-filled life will be turned into a heart of love. Jesus said these words in Matthew 5, 43 and 44. You've heard that it hath been said that you shall love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And our thoughts will be transformed into the mind of our Savior. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, a question is asked, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Listen to this answer. But we have the mind of Christ. Then we're told in Philippians 2 verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So if you look back up to the... Uh, top of the page at that 2 Timothy 1 7, where it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When we rely on His power, when we let His love control our hearts rather than the hate, when we let His thoughts be our thoughts, we can live without fear as we walk through this this Christian life in this world. There is no greater compliment that anyone could say about a child of God than they have been with Jesus. That time spent is not only needful for the child of God, but this world needs to encounter people who have spent time with Jesus. Only those who have taken time to be influenced by the transforming power of Christ will make their mark on this sinful world. This world is also full of religious people who need to know that salvation is a relationship with Christ, not a list of do's and don'ts. That's why so many people get tripped up on Christianity. They think, they think Christianity is do this, don't do that. It's a list. And if you, get, if you go outside of that list or... If you do anything on the other side that God is a big bully sitting in heaven waiting to just knock somebody over the head, that's not the God of salvation. The God of salvation so loved us that he sent his only begotten son into this, the only son he had into this world. And he came into this world, the sinless son of God came into our world to experience our world. He lived in heaven. He lived in a high holy place, but he came into our world and lived among us. The only perfect being in all of the ages of time and sinful man crucified him. They killed him. The only perfect being and we took our hands and crucified the son of God. He died on a cross called Calvary. 
They buried him, and for three days that body laid still in that, in that tomb. But on that third and glorious day, Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. He was seen 40 days and 40 nights by many, the Bible says, infallible proofs. And Jesus Christ is alive and he did all of that to save whosoever. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his work at Calvary and him getting up out of that grave, anybody can call upon the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, save me. And they will begin a relationship with the God of eternity. That's what salvation is. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that it is. Uh, down at the bottom of the page of verse 5, I've got a challenge for us all. Spend time with Jesus on a daily basis. Read His Word and talk with Him to build your relationship with Him. Don't consider your time with Him a religious exercise but rather as developing a relationship that is growing and making you more like Him. God's predetermined plan for every child of God is to make you like His Son, Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus wants to spend time with you. He enjoys your fellowship and the time spent with Him will yield the fruit of being like Jesus. What did they say about these men who they considered unlearned and ignorant? It was Peter in, in the boldness of way, a fisherman, a man, a mere fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus passed by his way one day and said, come follow me. And, G and Peter began following Jesus Christ. And now these religious leaders considered Peter just an ignorant and unlearned man. But he boldly stands up in front of them and tells them there's not but one way to, for you to be saved. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. 5,000 people are born into God's family because of the boldness of Peter. Wow. That's what, that's what spending time with Jesus Christ will do. They said these men have spent time with Jesus. That, what a compliment that could be to any one of us if we would endeavor to just spend time with him. I would love for somebody else to be around me for just a little while and say, you know, there's something about him. He must be spending time with Jesus. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 29 tells us what God's plan is for all of us who are saved. He said, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Then we read this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18. When we do spend time with Jesus, this is what we'll experience. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. That's, that's the first 14 verses of Acts chapter 4. Amen. What a, what a beginning for the church. Amen. Um, let's all, sis, will you come to the piano?
I just want to spend a little season of prayer.